Amen. Amen. Love you, bud. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, dear. My wife, Bonnie, would you welcome her this morning, everybody? Come on. You look great. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. I dressed up for you. I see that. And all the moms. It was getting confusing. We've been outside so long, I've been wearing hoodies and flannels. I look more like the lead singer of a grunge band. But we're inside, and so I put on the Sunday clothes for you. And I will be in sweats this afternoon. <laughs> That's okay, me too. Um, we really would encourage you to grab your Bibles. We, we want to spend this day together. You're here, we're here, the Lord's here. Let's grow together, amen? I, I think sometimes the Mother's Day thing can, you know, just be like really... Fluffy and flossy. Flossy. It's Stephen calls the cotton candy fairy floss. Is that the oddest name? Fairy floss. And it can kind of be that way, but um, that's not why you all come to Horizon. You come to grow. And uh, this is not a time in history, moms. This is not a time to put the book down. It's a time for us to grab God's word because there's a lot of people lying to you. There's a lot of people lying to your kids, and we need to be in God's Word. Can we claim that together this morning? Just covenant that as families. Amen? Um, and so we've got something for you this morning that I think will be fun. Uh, here's the title. My title this morning, uh, Celebrating the Misses, or, or Understanding, not Misses. I've only been married 33 years. Who am I to think I understand you? I'm not qualified to give that talk. But the misses, I've had plenty of misses and messes. And celebrating them together with you for 33 years, celebrating the misses, understanding the misses, and uh, learning through them, not allowing the misunderstandings to divide us, uh, but actually to cause for there to be some mortar and glue that would bring us even through the misses closer together and more in love with Jesus, a faithful and merciful God in the midst of our misses. Amen? Amen. So it's understanding the misses today on Mother's Day, and uh, it's Luke chapter 2, if you have a Bible handy. Luke chapter 2 is one of the most amazing stories of misunderstanding. Right? Yes. And you're going to read it? Sure. You up for that this morning? You want to read it to us? It's in Luke chapter 2. We'll probably throw it up on the big screens as well. Um, follow along with us. Bon Bon, you read it. We'll kind of break this thing down. If you have something to write with, a few notes of application we'll throw your way and, um, and call it a great morning. Amen? Amen. Luke 2, 41 through 50. Go. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, 
sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Mm -hmm. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. So put yourself in that setting, Mama. Three days. Three days. Where did he sleep? He's 12. I mean, in the temple, obviously, it didn't say that, but I'm thinking, did someone someone take him home? Did someone come with us? I don't know. You want us to take you to dinner? Like, how did this go down for three days? Have you ever lost a kid? Like, just even for a moment, have you lost a kid? We have. We lost our daughter at Disney World. And it was, I don't know. It was more like three minutes, it was not three days. Not three days. It was three minutes. How old was Anne? She was three. Three minutes when she was three, and it seemed like... Three hours, years. It was awful. It was awful. I thought you had her. But I thought you had her. <laughs> Understanding the misses. Yes. <laughs> Look at this passage. Book in this with us. Look at verse 47. They were astonished at his understanding. Look at verse 50. And they did not understand him. (laughs) And in the midst of it, a very anxious mom, understandably so, Mary's freaking out. And can you imagine, mom, your 12-year-old saying to you, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be? Whack! (laughs) Except he's the son of God. (laughs) Um. Yeah, when Annie got lost, I thought she was with you. You thought she was with me. We were going to this, was it like a musical? Yeah, some show. Like some song show we were going to. And it was at this theater over here. And we just started racing in that direction. And you went up one path, and I went up this other path. And beyond the, the little theater for the song show was the Tower of Terror. Like, why would my three-year-old be going there? And that's exactly where she was going. And I raced up that path, and all of a sudden, I came upon like 15 strangers that I'd never seen in my life. And I don't know if they'd seen each other, but they were all circled together, like 15 adults, all in a circle with my daughter in the middle. And they were just waiting for Mr. Numskull (laughs) to catch up with the program, right? You remember that? Very clearly. Did you, like, go around to everyone in the circle, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you? You just hugged her. I was weeping. Right? I remember when we were little, we would go to a beach house in San Clemente, and Betsy, my sister, is Betsy here? No, let's throw her under the bus. (laughs) Betsy hid. And my mom's freaking out. We're, like, we're we're running down to the pier. Is she at the pier? (laughs) The cops come. And I think she was like three at the time. And I was five, and the cops are upstairs, and I can hear my dad storming around upstairs. I can hear his footprints upstairs. And I snuck downstairs, and real quietly I said, Bats, Bats, it's just me. You can come out now. And she came out from under the bed. 
And, you know, the cops were relieved. Mom was relieved. Dad was relieved. I should have gotten, like, the award. I was the hero of the day. But um, we all have these stories. I think we can all relate. Like, what do you do in those moments of misunderstanding? I thought you were going to do that. I thought it was your turn to pay the bills. I thought you were dropping the kids off at work. Do you know the Yucatan Peninsula? The Yucatan Peninsula down there in Mexico, it's like the southern easternmost part of Mexico. It's where Cancun is, which we've never been to. Little romantic bucket list. A lot of people go there for honeymoons and stuff. Cancun and Belize, and it's next to Guatemala where we're doing a missions trip coming up with Strato and Marlene Bonilla there from there. Anyway, when the Spanish explorers discovered the Yucatan Peninsula, they got off the boat, and they didn't have an interpreter that spoke the native language. That's where the Mayan people were from, and they kept saying, what do you call this place? What's the name of your land? What's the name of your country? And all they got in return from the, from the, from the native indigenous tribes, all they got in return was Yucatan. So they called it the Yucatan Peninsula. To this day, you know what Yucatan means? We don't understand you. That's literally what it means in their language. We don't understand you. And the name stuck. And I wonder on Mother's Day how many are stuck on the peninsula of misunderstanding, right? And so like every day I've got the, you got the news on, we're like the news is on in the background. And I think every Every day, some politician says on the news, they say, let there be no misunderstanding. Hasn't that like become the buzzword? Let there be no misunderstanding. So let me just use it this morning. Let there be no misunderstanding. There will be misunderstandings. There will be misunderstandings in your marriage. There will be misunderstandings in your life, like what's the point of coming to church if you just get a cookie and you don't learn? Like how can we grow together today through this idea of understanding the missus? How do we understand and, 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 and deeply grow through these moments and times of misunderstanding so that the misunderstandings don't derail us? Because that's the devil's plot. That's what he wants to do. Someone said, and, and uh, it's a great quote I jotted down, the notion of implied meaning is the root of misunderstanding. Did you get that? The notion of implied meaning is the root of misunderstanding. Or to assume, we all know what that means, to assume Right? There's like a new buzzword, assumicide, like homicide, assumicide kind of blows everything up, like, like, like kills it. In fact, Bonhoeffer says this, I could not recommend to you more the writings of Bonhoeffer. And he, and he said this, you want to read it? Your eyes are a lot better than mine. And that's small. It's not small. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to look at you while you read it. I'm going to look actually through you at, at the, the quote, quote that is really blurry. Okay. Just as God's love entered the world, thereby submitting to the misunderstanding and ambiguity that characterize everything worldly, so also Christian love does not exist anywhere but in the worldly, in an infinite variety of concrete worldly action, and subject to misunderstanding and condemnation. Every attempt to portray a Christianity of pure love 
purged of the worldly impurities is a false purism and perfectionism that scorns God's becoming human and falls prey to the fate of all ideologies. God was not too pure to enter the world. That is amazing thinking right there. Gosh, he's a genius. Look at that last sentence. Because some of us are waiting for everything to be perfect. And it ain't happening in North County. Kids are waiting for mom to be perfect. Get over yourself, kids. And mom's waiting for the kids to be perfect. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Memo. Newsflash. Look at this sentence. God was not too pure to enter the world. It's a fallen, broken world. we got to figure out how to better embrace and come to understand the misses. This is life. And I think the story in Luke 2 tees it up for us. And I, I just, I just want to say this. I, to everyone watching, listening at home, here in the sanctuary. Gosh, it feels good to be in this room with you all. Um, I just want to say to everyone who feels misunderstood, God gets it. This story proves it. He understands misunderstandings. And this wasn't the first one, just, and the last one in his life. This wasn't the only one. It starts like when he's 12. Like, what's Mary thinking on the ride home, right? Back to Nazareth. She's thinking, oy vey, this is now, we're headed for the teenage years. Like, what is she thinking? Life's going to be like now. And for everyone who feels misunderstood, moments of misunderstanding, maybe that have gone on for a long, long time, he understands. He understands. He lived them. And this was the first of many for his entire ministry he was misunderstood. Do you know he was misunderstood on the cross? On the, on the cross! Two of the gospel writers declare that he was misunderstood in the actual event of, of dying for our sins on the cross. He yelled out, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And two of the gospels record it as if he was speaking to Elijah. Oh, he's talking to Elijah. What? He's dying for your sins. He's feeling the distance of his eternal, faithful, holy, righteous God turning away from him while he became sin for us. And they misunderstood it and they wouldn't admit it. Because if they admitted it, it would, it would mean that they needed him. And so he gets misunderstandings. And he was perfect, right? He's, he's perfect, and he was misunderstood. And so, guess what? We who are far from perfect, we will be misunderstood as well. Our words will be twisted. Our actions will be questioned. Our motives will be challenged. In the famous theology of bumper stickers, it happens. It happens. Misunderstandings. So what do we do with them? Here, here are four quick thoughts. Will you help me like break these down? I want you to like really weigh in now, mama. 
on, on, on helping not to live on the peninsula of, of Yucatan misunderstandings, but actually getting off that peninsula together and resolving the misunderstandings. And we'll just pull it right out of the passage that you read from Luke chapter 2. First of all, first of all, the resolving of the misunderstanding is probably going to mean retracing some steps. I know nobody likes to do that. Sometimes we feel like wasted time. They were all the way home in Nazareth. They were all the way home when they looked at each other and oh, I thought he was in your back seat. Well, I thought he was in your wagon. I thought he was on the back of your camel. And resolving a misunderstanding is oftentimes going to require some retracing of our steps, maybe some distance, maybe some time. But ultimately, weigh in on that point. What, what's, your, what's your thought on seeing misunderstandings resolved? Well, I love the idea of going back. I mean, we see his parents going, turning around and going back to where they last were with him. And um, I know I sound like a broken record, but anytime there's a misunderstanding, I think the first going back is going back to the Lord, going back to his word. And I say it all the time. If you go back to the Lord in prayer, just an acknowledgement that he's there, it changes everything because now you're going to act differently with an acknowledgement of God's presence in the situation. And so go back in prayer, acknowledge God's presence and power, and then go back to before the misunderstanding happened. I think what we tend to do is go back to every misunderstanding we've ever had, and it all kind of mm. just go back to before that misunderstanding. And um, that will give clarity on what the misunderstanding was, and then you can work through it. And that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, you're speaking spiritually, but they literally are going back to the Lord. Yes, to his house. They're going back to, to the Lord, to, to, to Jesus. And we need to do that. In, in, in the midst of resolving the misunderstanding, make that your first move. And be, be open and willing to retracing your steps that will lead you back to him. Amen? You got that? Is that good? Isn't that good? Number two. Here's number two. Are you tracking? Number two is this. Um, it involves the art of, of not just hearing. Eh? It involves the art of listening. The art. This is an art. And, and, and I'm not great at it. I mean, there are times I know where you've said something profound. <laughs> eh? Eh? And so uh, maybe I would just say to the guys, we should work on developing this this art of, of, of being present, of, of really intentionally listening. And I think, it, I think the difference between hearing and listening is an intentional acceptance of, of what is being said, of what is being shared. Thoughts? You're a good listener. But um, 
I think quick to listen, slow to speak. And it's not just listening to the words, because sometimes we struggle with words, especially when we're upset. So it's listening to the heart behind the words. And um, I think that's a key thing. And, and sometimes the heart behind the words, there's a history of why there, there is that heart. And so think about the history and why, why it might be happening. I mean, there might be in a friend or your spouse or your parent, there might be a history of pain. There might be a history of, of hurt in an area in your, chi- in your children's lives. So listen to the heart and not just the words. And, and the words matter. Words matter. Words are, are, I was reading a devotional this morning. I do a devotional every morning by Nikki Gumbel. And I've recommended it to you before. I highly recommend it. It's called Bible in a Year. And Nikki Gumbel is um, he's kind of the head of the Alpha Project. He's got a church in London on Brompton Road, just around the corner from Herod's. And I love Herod's. And he was talking this morning about the weight of your words. That's what the devotional was this morning on Mother's Day. The weight of your words. And I just wonder what that what that journey was like back from Nazareth back. They're like, okay, let's retrace our steps. Look, let's go. When did you see him last? I guess at church. Let's go to church. They go to church. There's an insight. Go to church. And uh, I wonder what the conversation was like on the way back to church. What was your conversation like on the way to church this morning? Sometimes it's like really quiet silence. And the words that are said are words that matter. And, I, you know, I think it was a silent trip for Joseph and Mary on the way back. But what was said, and ultimately here's point three. Point three, your odds of resolving the misunderstanding, your odds rapidly increase with humility. You throwing it to me? Well, I just think they were, when they walked in there, they were hot. I mean, you even get that sense from the passage that you read. They're ticked. And to some extent, they're embarrassed. Um, and I think it was quite a feat on their part to swallow the humble pill. And yet it rapidly increased the misunderstanding being resolved. Yeah, I'm throwing it to you. Well, it says in God's word, as much as you are able, be at peace with all men. And sometimes what that takes is humility. Um, and if we humble ourselves, then we can trust that the Lord will lift us up when, when he wants to. And, and yes, sometimes resolving misunderstandings just even retracing your steps and going back to the person that you had a misunderstanding with is very humbling. Um, but I just firmly believe that being in unity, which God calls us to be, being in harmony, being at peace, brings much greater joy than getting your way or being right in any situation. Yeah, that's verse 48. Son, why have you done this to us? That's like weighted. Your father and I, right? How many, how many, your father and, your father and I have sought you anxious. And, and then just to sort of accept and receive with all humility that something's going on here. Here's point number four. 
that it takes heart to admit. It takes heart to admit. And, and that something's, something's going on here at a, at a, at a deeper level. Here's what, here's what I mean by heart. Heart to accept and realize that there's more than one angle being played. That there's one, more than one viewpoint in the marriage. That even in the family here with Jesus and his parents, there's more than one agenda, more than one perspective, more than one interpretation, and we have to have we have to have a heart, an accepting heart, to be able to, to, to absorb the reality that there's more than just my viewpoint, more than just Joseph's viewpoint, more than just Mary's viewpoint on the whole situation. And to not lose heart that we're a team in this, we're a family in this. And this was sort of like, you know, the beginning of them realizing this just isn't a normal kid. This is actually the savior of the world that we've been entrusted to, which, you know, kind of leads them to the heaviness and weightedness of their question, like, why have you done this? And yet he answers and says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I'd be about my father's business? That's a different viewpoint. That's a different angle. That's a different perspective. That's a different interpretation. And sometimes you come to me with that, and I come to you with that. And the way you were raised, I mean, there's some German in you. There's some Russian in you. There's some Czech in you. There's... And your dad, your dad, when I first met your dad, there, was, there wasn't a multiple ways of doing things. There was one German way of doing things. He's usually right, though. I know. <laughs> and so, I don't know, this having, and I think he's grown. He's really grown, and, and, and it's, it's been great to sort of, like, watch that and witness that and, and just see the heart that he has. What do you think? Well, I think that um, I know this message for me has been a gift on Mother's Day because the, one of the most painful things is when there's a misunderstanding, whether it's in your marriage or with your children or friends or parents or coworkers. It's just a painful thing to have misunderstandings. And um, this is the one that's so hard for me because sometimes it just seems so clear, right, that you're right <laughs> and the other person's wrong. Um, but I've had to tell myself, if it's not a sin, if it's not leading to sin, if it's not against the law, then, um, <laughs> then it's just an opinion. It's just a different approach. Um, and no opinion matters more than a relationship. So I, I love these four steps. Go back, listen, Go back, listen. humble yourself. Humble yourself. And ha don't lose heart. And don't lose heart. Look at the words that are in the word heart. Find the other words that are in the word heart. Hear, ear, art. Let's, let's work on this together. Let's work on really mastering this as an art. To have an ear to hear. To have a heart for this thing and not let the misunderstandings divide us. You know another word that's in the word heart? Earth. So as, as, as long as we're left here on earth waiting for him to return. Let's have that, that heart to have an ear to hear and, and, and to develop that as, as really. An... James says this, James in chapter 3, verse 17. You want to read that? I think it's 
kinking my neck. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. It's just a beautiful application verse uh, to help us understand the misses, to just really pray for that, that, that pure heart and, 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 and peaceable and gentle and willing to yield. And, um, and I think they went home as a family from this little outing with a whole new perspective and dimension on what life was going to look like. And they didn't, I don't think, they, they didn't go home like divided uh, with partiality or with hypocrisy. I, th I think they went home united more than ever because they didn't let the enemy divide them. They came to a deeper realization and understanding through the misunderstanding. We met at Forest Home up in the mountains and Bon was the lifeguard. So I spent a ton of time at the pool and I was on the program staff, and every year Swindoll would come. It was the highlight week of the summer. Swindoll would come, and he would teach. And I'd, he, he actually tells the story of meeting a guy at, at one of the conferences at Forest Home that Swindoll was teaching at. And the guy came up to him and said, I've always wanted to hear you. I've listened to you on the radio for years. You all know Chuck Swindoll, right? Inside for a living. And so he's like, I've always wanted to hear you live. I've listened to you for years on the radio. I'm just so so excited to hear you. And, and Chuck, Chuck, was, Chuck Swindoll was like, well, it's very, thank you. Very nice of you to say that. And I'm looking forward to it as well. And I'll see you at the meeting hall. So they go to the meeting hall and there's the guy right there, third row, sitting there. He falls asleep, falls asleep while Chuck's teaching. <laughs> Chuck's like, What's this? This is the guy that just sort of gave me the big compliment. And he's like, and the next night falls asleep again. Next night falls asleep again. Next I totally get it. Don't be falling asleep in here. Like, he falls, Chuck's like angry. He's like, I can't believe this. This guy falls asleep on me every night. He told me he was so excited to hear me teach. And at the end of the week, the wife comes up to him and says, you know he has stage four cancer. And you know the meds that he's on causes him to sleep. And now he's going to die a happy man that he was able to hear you live. How many times is the devil just trying to work a number on us through misunderstanding. We're just trying to help you today. Just trying to help on Mother's Day. Give you something to sort of discuss over brunch. <laughs> discuss this. Thomas Akempis said, be not angry that you can't make others as you wish them to be since you can't make yourself as you wish you to be. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking about that. Who do you think is the most misunderstood mom in all the Bible? The most misunderstood woman, the most misunderstood wife in all of Scripture. And some would think Mary is actually it. I don't think it's Mary. I think Mary is more misunderstood in her afterlife than in her actual life. And rather sad it is that people would end up worshiping her instead of her son, our Lord and Savior. But I think there's even a woman of greater dimension where misunderstanding is concerned. And I would just sort of submit this to you for conversation. I think it's fascinating. I think the most misunderstood wife and mom in Scripture is Job's wife, who we only know one thing about, one sentence, one statement. 
We're not talking Lot's wife. I get it. With Lot's wife, she got what she deserved. Totally corrupt, turns into a pillar of salt. Not Job's wife. No, I'm sorry, not in the slightest. And yet for many of us, we've like written her off. Aren't you glad? Church, listen. Are you not rejoicing this morning that you weren't written off because of one bad statement? And we can't write each other off because of one bad statement that was said. And she doesn't even say it. She suggests that he says it. Why don't you just curse God and die already, is what Job's wife is known for saying. Now, in order for her to say that, in order for her to suggest that, means a couple of things to us. Here's what we know. We know that it means that she was right by his side. Give her that credit, moms. She's sitting there with him as he literally is rotting, having lost everything, lost his business. Who cares? Who, who cares? Lost his finances. Who cares? Who cares? But they had. I think he was the richest guy in the world. At the time, he was the richest guy in the world. He was the Bezos of the day, okay? And they lose all of their money, they lose all of their finances, they lose all of their possessions, they lose all of their businesses, and then they lose all of their kids. And now he's covered in boils, sitting on an ash heap, getting the worst counsel from his so-called friends you can possibly imagine. And I give her some credit here, she is by his side, scraping boils off of his back. And suggests in the middle of it, why don't you just get it over with? I mean, stress can do a lot of things to a person's psyche. And she, she certainly is at a stress level off the charts. She's lost her kids. She's lost her home. She's lost her reputation in the community. She's lost everything. And uh, PTSD for sure. And yet, at his darkest moment of potential misunderstanding beyond repair, she's at his side. And, and as I read Scripture, it doesn't destroy them. As I read Scripture, they hang in there. Maybe scraping boils off of each other. She's scraping literal boils off of him. We're told in Scripture you couldn't even recognize it was Job that the boils were so bad. But I think he's scraping some barnacles off of her. Maybe where doubt or mistrust. I mean, she shouldn't have said it. I agree. And yet maybe her actions speak louder than her words. That... Um, my hunch is they worked through it. Look at it. Look at it sometime this afternoon or this week. He, he turns to her in the midst of her uttering that statement, and he says, oh, oh, dear. Oh, oh, dear, you're sounding like one of the foolish ones. You're sounding like the foolish women. Now, he's not calling her a fool. He's saying... 
now you're starting to sound like one of the fools. Stop it. Don't talk like that. And I think that was enough to shape her up. I think that was enough to reel her back in. I think it was enough to rebuild what could have been a massive misunderstanding. And you know what? It all gets returned to them. It doesn't say in Scripture that he bailed on her. It doesn't say that she said it and turned into a pillar of salt. It doesn't say that, that some of you have uttered worse on the golf course. you got to be grateful this morning that you're not being held to the one statement that you might have suggested in your darkest, hardest hour. I mean, after all, we, we, we know that for their story... Everything returns. All the blessings return. And it's the numbskull friends that are actually reprimanded, not Job's wife. It's the numbskull friends that God says, you, seven bulls and seven rams, and you, seven bulls and seven rams, and you, seven bulls and seven, that's 21 times, that's that's a big barbecue on a Mother's Day afternoon. You take all that over to Job's house. And, and, and when, when Job prayed for his friends, when the misunderstanding with his friends was resolved and healed, then all of the windows of heaven open up and all the blessings fall down and they have 10 more kids. It doesn't say that he traded her in for some new latest blonde model. <laughs> I, I, they hung in there. They grew through the misunderstanding. In fact, it says the daughter's that Job and his wife then had were the most beautiful daughters in all the land. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe rather than just holding each other to that one statement, we could just sort of understand the misses. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Grow through the misunderstanding. What a great word I think that is for all of us. What, what would you say? How would you wrap this up? Well, I think... Um, because it's Mother's Day, uh, I think one of my greatest misunderstandings uh, as, a, as a mom, as a Christian, is, um, had to do with why I had children. And so I wanted to share my foundational verses um, that the Lord showed me. Um, I thought that I had children for me because I wanted children. And then I thought once I had them that it was all about them. And and the Lord really showed me that was a misunderstanding of the purpose of having children. And so I have some verses that I've stood on as a mom since they were little. Malachi 2.15 says, But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? So why marriage? He seeks godly offspring. That's what God's Word tells us. Isaiah 43.7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. So God seeks godly offspring who will live for his glory. That is the purpose of, of being a parent. And so the goal then isn't for them to discover who they want to be or to discover who you want them to be, but to discover who God created them to be. Um, and the, another misunderstanding, I think, today is that you can discover that without the Bible that you can discover who God created you to be without knowledge and understanding of what the Bible says. Um, And I think about how much time we spend on education and sports and friends and fun, and all of those are good things, good things in our kids' lives. 
But we, are we teaching them how to apply God's word to all of those areas of their life? Um, or do we keep those things separate? Uh, 3 John 1, 4. Famous verse for moms. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Amen. And there is no greater joy than to know that my kids will be in eternity um, in heaven with me. And then it says in John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And my greatest fear for this next generation, and I truly, I truly am afraid, yeah. um, is not COVID or climate change or the politics of the day. Um, my greatest fear is that this generation doesn't know the Bible and they're missing out on the wisdom and the power and the protection that that provides so that they can deal with all the circumstances that confront us Amen. in this world. Amen. And so my final, my final verses are Deuteronomy 11, and I'll just read these and then I'm done. Deuteronomy 11:18. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Find them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So all the time, everywhere, in every way, it's about God's Word. What if that moment in Job's life with his wife, what if that misunderstanding was the turning point. What if this passage in Luke chapter 2, the misunderstanding of it, what if, what if that was the turning point? Because both in Mary and Joseph's life and legacy and family, as well as in Job's life, the later years were the greater years. Come on, church. How many are believing and claiming because of God's great love and faithfulness there are blessings to behold that the later years are going to be the greater years, that the best is yet to come. Come on, church.